a lot of organizations, you know, Valvoline included, you're sitting on so much rich data, whether it be related to, you know, talent acquisition, compensation, turnover, diversity, that can really drive um, the actions that you take to optimize company performance. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam and Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic podcast. I have with me today John Caldwell, who is Senior Vice President and Chief People Officer at Valvoline. And John has spent his entire career in human resources, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Thank you so much for joining me, John. Thank you, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Well, congratulations on your tremendous uh, career. You know, it's very clear to me that you've you've done super well, um, and now you're Chief People Officer of Valvoline Inc. That's uh, quite an accomplishment. Thank you very much. It, it's um, it, it, you know I joined Valvoline about six years ago with with the hope that I would end up in this role, uh, and it actually happened a little bit sooner than I expected. So, so before we get into your background and the and talking about human resources management. If you wouldn't mind, let's start by talking about Valvoline Inc. I mean, everyone recognizes the the brand for sure, but if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about the company, that'd be great. Absolutely. So Valvoline is a is a global organization, about three and a half billion in annual revenue, and about twelve thousand employees. There are two, I would say, fairly distinct business segments that make up Valvoline. Uh, the retail services business. So a lot of people are going to know that by kind of the signage, the Valvoline Instant Oil Change uh, stores that that uh, span the U.S. and Canada. We have about 1,600 stores in the U.S. and Canada. And then we also have a global products business segment. And um, it, within that business segment, you've really got two channels, uh, the do-it-yourself channel, which is the consumer packaged goods side, uh, you change your own oil and you know, but you, and you purchase it from a, a retailer like Walmart, AutoZone, Advance Auto, or do it for me, which is made up of uh, just a number of a network of installer channel, uh, tire stores, dealerships, et cetera, who um, also utilize our our products, our oil uh, in vehicles that they service. So we we've been in business. We were the original motor oil. We've been in business since 1866. Very proud of, of you know, the legacy, the brand, um, and, and I'm especially proud of the culture that we have uh, within our organization as well. Well, I know, you know, one thing that comes to mind, and I don't know if this is true or not, but when I think of Valvoline, something else that comes to my mind is racing. Yeah. And one thing that I thought of one time is I thought, I can see how racing, being involved in racing might be good for Valvoline, creating, you know, motor oils. Uh, it probably allows your scientists to really figure out the limits, if you will, of, of these kinds of products. Is, is that true at all? It, it is. You know, it, it does a lot for our brand. Uh, and, and, and you're a, a evidence of that, right? When, when you thought of Valvoline, it was one of the first things that you thought of. So we do believe that 
that's been a very long-standing partnership that we've had um, specifically with the NASCAR team, Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. Um, they've got some of the best drivers in, um, you know, in, in the game. And, and Kyle Larson uh, won the cup last year, and, and he's a, a part of that team. And we do, um, we have a lab here in Lexington, and some of the scientists and, and uh, uh, you know, engineers that we have in that team work closely with, with Hendricks. Every tenth of a second counts. <laughs> yeah. So they're looking for every single advantage, and, and when you're at that, you know, everyone is performing at such a high level. So, uh, Anywhere that that we can, um, you know, work with them to obtain a bit of a competitive advantage, we're happy to do so. I know you're located in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. Th- that's correct. I grew up in the northern part of the state, very close to Cincinnati, um, but have lived in in Lexington a fair amount of my life as well. And it is, um, it it's it's kind of big enough, small enough. I'm not sure if it's a small city or a really big town. Um, we've got. <laughs> We've got the university here, University of Kentucky, um, and then I do think there are a couple of distinctive cultural elements um, where, you know, it is it is bourbon country here. Um, it's horse country <laughs> and, it, you know, and we have a basketball team here, too, that that does fairly well from from time to time. So indeed, <laughs> it, indeed. it's interesting. I think how we connected um, indirectly was through. The University of Kentucky hosting the SEC NBA competition yes. this past year, and Valvoline was the sponsor for that. So thank you I, for doing that. Yeah, we, we yeah, appreciate we, it. We really enjoyed it. Got to meet um, some members of of the team from the University of Arkansas there as well, and and just such a talented group across the board. We were happy to be a part of it. Part of the team, um, part of my team, the human resources team. We also. Um, include community involvement, corporate giving, corporate communications. And so um, a type of sponsorship or partnership like that with the university really uh, is driven by um, by that team. You've um, worked in human resources and banking for quite a few years and and now Valvoline and now you're SVP and chief people officer and you've been that that role, that level for almost three years. So you're at the top of HR now, but you've started at the very, the very beginning uh, as, in, in, as a recruiter um, and human, human resources manager. So you've seen human resources from a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different companies. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, is human resources management and banking similar to what you would see at, at Valvoline, or is there a difference? I would tell you it's very similar. <clears throat> to, to me, um, the role in the function human resources plays is more company-based, leadership-based versus industry-driven. How does that organization view human resources? Is it a key part of the business? Is the, you know, the leader of HR part of the, the executive team? Is it more of a Hey, we, we we understand that talent and culture helps drive our business results, and 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 so you know thus that's how we position and view and partner with human resources. Or is it more of policy, procedure, you know, payroll benefits, the things that you do have to provide employees? Um, and so that may that may lead you down a little different path and and view of of what the HR function looks like for an organization. I tell people. Um, Ironically, there are a lot of similarities in, in banking. So I was at Fifth Third Bank for about 14 years, and you've got a commercial 
bank and a retail bank in branch banking. And if you think about even my description of Valvoline, where we have these two distinct businesses, you've got the retail side of the business, which is our Valvoline instant oil change storefronts, just like branch banking. And then you've got um, uh, kind of the commercial part of our business where we sell through retailers like Walmart AutoZone or installer channel customers. So in that way, um, there are a lot of similarities. Then of course you have the same types of corporate functions that you support, finance, IT, marketing, legal, et cetera. It, it's certainly a different, there are some differences, um, you know, certainly in, in the types of roles, but in, in an odd twist, the, the structures, the, the business setup is similar. Um, and then in the end, it really is all about people <laughs> and, and supporting leaders the best we can. Well, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to really talk about this. I mean, leadership, I, I mean, business is about people. The more you are in business, the more you realize business is about people. Now, you've got to be able to deliver something. You've got to have, uh, you've got to be conscientious. You've got to be trustworthy and you've got to have competence and capabilities. But, but it's all about people. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, I would tell you my strategic, you know, guideposts as it relates to leading, leading our HR team, you know, when, when I took this role um, about two and a half years ago, I developed a, a few keys to success for our team. And one of those really was, um, you know, driving results through our people leaders. Uh, equipping our people leaders, enabling them, empowering them, holding them accountable um, to, to really provide the right uh, experience, the right workplace um, to bring the team together to enable those results. So it it's it's not that that's um, uh, groundbreaking <laughs> by any stretch, right. but but it was um, the one thing that that was a mindset shift for our team was um, it was almost kind of disproportionately investing in our people leaders, given the role that they play in delivering that great workplace experience. And so I did have a handful of team members that that felt like, well, I don't want to leave all employees behind, right? I mean, hey, we're here for all employees. And and of course, that's correct. But, uh, you know, in, in my mind, um, if we really focus on building great people leaders, those people leaders will build a great workplace for our team. Absolutely. You know, that kind of gets to something interesting. A couple of uh, colleagues of mine um, and I, we worked on a book for a few years called uh, Values Driven Authentic Leadership. But we, yeah. but we interviewed lots of leaders in various areas. I mean, everything from Mike Duke, who's the former CEO of Walmart, to the former CEO of Tyson, to uh, the chancellor of the university, and all really a wide variety of industries. But we asked them, you know, what are the your top values, personally as an and as a company? Of course, the the number one value mentioned was integrity. But in in the discussions, we it became clear that. A lot of these very successful leaders really thought mentoring was important. That is being mentored and mentoring both formally, not just informally. Uh, I was curious, uh, what, what's your experience with mentorship and, and its importance? 
You know, I, I would I would agree um, that mentorship, that connectivity to the organization um, when you're newer into your career, um, if, if you can uh, you can learn a lot from someone who isn't your direct manager or, or in your chain of command, if you will, who's willing to pour into you and, and kind of, you know, pay it forward, if you will, and, and share with them things that they wish they knew when they were in their 20s that have that have um, maybe they tripped over or, or that have helped them get to where they are. I think you 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 use the term Matt informal and formal and, and I would agree with that. I, I think it's finding the right balance. So for us um, last year we implemented uh, a new mentor program. Uh, we partnered with a with a third party had about 25 mentor partnerships that we assigned and we really focused the formal mentor program there uh, on inclusive leadership. Not that the conversation couldn't vary, but we wanted to provide a topic for our leaders to talk with their mentees about because sometimes that's hard. You know, I don't know where to start if I've never done this before. So we found that to be very successful, that focus on inclusive leadership um, and hoping that if you introduce mentoring in a formal way into an organization, that it kind of jumpstarts and builds that muscle within the organization so that now they can be more prevalent and, and occur more informally. I do think that they're generally going to be more productive if you can, if those, you know, mentoring uh, relationships kind of form naturally versus being yes. prescribed by an organization, you, your hit rate is going to be a lot better. But I do think that um, where our organization was and where a lot of organizations are, um, sometimes you do need to plant some seeds uh, for for that muscle to be built. So I I have a rule that I always have at least one mentor at any given point in time. Right now I've got two, um, and I always am mentoring at least one person. Um, right now I'm mentoring more than that uh, formally, and of course I mentor people informally, and you know like um, you know associate deans and things like that. Um, but I really have tried to be very intentional about being other focused. In other words, yeah. rather than focusing on me and my career and how am I going to succeed, really trying to help other people succeed. And I really feel like it's given me an advantage focusing on others and really trying to rejoice in their successes when they succeed. Uh, really being able to mourn with them and their failures, learning to you know have that kind of empathy, you know, is so powerful. Absolutely, and and my guess is, and and we've learned this through our formal mentoring program last year when we had kind of a celebration at the at the conclusion of the program that the mentors over and over again talked about. I feel like I gained and learned more from this partnership than than my mentee did. And um, and you know I, so I think some of that is is probably the, the the feel good of giving back, but then I think they also learned that it was a two way street that hey I, I may be you know a, a decade or two older than this individual or a, a grade level or two higher in the organization than this individual, but boy they can teach me a lot you know through the through this conversation. Well, you know I I saw a study that was you know this concept of belonging right. You know, they found that one real key success factor in belonging is volunteerism of all things. In other words, it could be, say, an MBA group, a group of MBAs. 
if they engage in volunteerism together, where they're they're giving to some group or entity together, that increases the degree to which they feel like they belong more than just saying, hey, you belong, we want you to belong. You can always find 10% more base salary somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, you know, a, a, the, the most talented employees are always going to be able to find a higher salary, um, uh, you know, a different role, you know, somewhere else. And then they go there and they can probably find 10% more somewhere else, right? But I do think to your point, Matt, what really creates that stickiness with an organization uh, is the satisfaction that comes from being part of something bigger than the job that I do or the paycheck that I receive. And so I think that starts with the connection with your team. And then if you and your team, you know, and, and you see uh, you're also part of an organization that gives back to the community. I think people really want to feel good about not just the role that they play, but the organization that they work for. And they want to feel connected to the broader team that they're a part of. You mentioned something I'm going to want to ask you about because I I should know the answer to this and I don't. And that is total rewards. That's I know I'm sure that's been around for a long time, but it's kind of new to me. What is what does that mean? Total rewards is largely comp and benefits, but it's also making sure that, you know, are you providing the right workplace experience, the, the right recognition? It can ex it can extend into cultural, you know, what do you provide as a workplace culture? It's kind right. of the, what do you get as part of the employment agreement, as being an employee of Valvoline or any, any other organization, you know, what's provided to you. So yeah. is that fairly, I mean, I'm sure it's been around a while, but is it kind of fairly new from a popularity perspective? Probably for, I would say the last decade or so, 10 to 10 to 15 years, but. Well, I'm usually about 15 years behind, so that, that makes sense. <laughs> But, uh, well, yeah, I, I even saw a position posted at a local company here. It was like senior VP of total rewards. I'm like, wow, I'm seeing this all over the place now. I had never seen it in the title before. But. It's, you know, it, it is one of the interesting things. One of the things I've enjoyed about HR is, you know, I think a lot of times if, if someone who's outside of HR, what do you think of? Well, you think of maybe the employee relations angle, the talent acquisition angle, payroll, right? I mean, some of the core tenants of, of, of HR, but you do have a varying degree of roles and skill sets required. So something in a comp and benefits, I mean, you know, the, the, the lady who's our director of benefits here is a CPA. There is a ton of math and statistics and analytical work required, you know, working with actuarials, you know, things like that. Comp is the same way, you know, the talent acquisition role, there's a lot of, of, you know, a sales acumen or skill set that can be involved there, right? Because you're really marketing and, and promoting roles uh, to prospective candidates and so on and so forth. So it it is a, a I would say generally a broader field than than most would imagine. But it, a lot of organizations, you know, Valvoline included, you're sitting on so much rich data, whether it be related to you know talent acquisition, compensation, turnover, diversity, you know engagement surveys uh, or any life cycle surveys, onboarding engagement, exit surveys, um, that can really drive the actions that you take 
to optimize company performance. So, you know, th there's so much knowledge that can be derived by, hey, the best hires, the ones that stay the longest are the ones that we were able to promote within our stores. Where do they come from? You know, what what questions or responses do we receive to particular questions that help us predict, you know, turnover down the road? So, John, um, I've heard good things about the culture at Valvoline, but I know that you've been really driving um, the advancement, strengthening the culture there. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about that, how you've done that? Yes, I would tell you one thing that brought me here um, to Valvoline almost six years ago was um, the feel from the culture and the people that I met through the interview process. And, and that's one of the things that certainly keeps me here uh, six years later. A couple of years ago, I, I moved into this chief people officer role and, you know, we've um, got a strong set of core values like many organizations do. And my CEO and I were, were trying to determine how do we best bring this to life. And we have a number of people who have been with Valvoline uh, here in, in the Lexington market, especially for, for many years. In some cases, maybe their entire career, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. But then um, we, uh, like myself, many joined the organization in 2016, 2017, 2018, as we separated from Ashland uh, to become our own publicly traded company. So we were trying to really um, kind of refresh our values, renew the culture, understanding that we had this mix of people who've been here for a really long time and others who've joined the organization more recently. So um, the way that I think we did that, and ironically, it was um, it was an idea from uh, from from my CEO, our CEO. And um, and if you ever want to change effort to really stick, uh, from an HR perspective, there's nothing better than if it's leader driven or executive yeah. driven. And so he had uh, been recommended and read a book by Patrick Lencioni called The Ideal Team Player. And in the book, um, it basically kind of spoke to three cultural attributes that, that he found critical, that if individuals who are truly team players and then create that ideal team culture are hungry, humble and smart. And and by smart, not IQ, but more EQ or people smart. And so we um, uh, actually partnered with Lencioni's uh, consulting firm, the Table Group, and started, um, you know, kind of with this book, with these teachings at an executive team level. So our executive team uh, kind of went through uh, uh, an engagement with them, really understood what it meant to be the ideal team player living out those three attributes of hum hungry, humble, and smart, and then also operating more as a first team. So, you know, the other thing we learned there is part of being a team player is, well, how do you define your team? And for us, our role was, hey, we need to spend more time as an executive team than we do with our direct report teams even. And so those two concepts, I think, have really advanced our culture in the last couple of years, both um, you know, kind of keeping our head up. How do we operate as a first team in a better way to play a broader leadership role in the organization than I just lead HR and Mary is our CFO, so she leads finance. No, Mary and I and the rest of our leadership team, we really lead the organization. So how do we best do that? And, and then 
you know, back to the hungry, humble and smart, the value in in those attributes, those ideal team player attributes. I think one is when you really pause and think about it, you know, who are the people that you've enjoyed working with through your career the most? They're hungry, so they're 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 you know, they're really they're achievers. They're working hard. They're asking what else can I do to to uh, to help out? They're humble. They don't need to be out in front pounding their own chest. Um, they lift up the team around them. And then again, smart or people smart. The, the way I simply kind of think about that person is back when we had office phones <laughs> and you'd see someone come up on caller ID like the name. There are certain people who who when they call you, you're like, oh, I'm excited to talk to this person. Then there's others that are kind of like, oh, oh boy, you know. So, you know, those people that that really build great relationships and are people smart, those are the people that you want to work with as well. And and we found that one, the value of that was just the simplicity of it. It was very memorable. It's simple. It's easy to understand. And then two, it it did seem to describe Valvoline when we're at our best. So I don't want to tell you that all 12,000 of our employees are hungry, humble and smart. But I think a lot of us really are. And when we're at our best, we're operating in that in that mode, hungry, humble and smart. Well, yeah, and I think if you know what you're shooting for. You're more likely to hit it. Absolutely. So, so knowing that you want to have uh, a team that is hungry, humble and people smart. You're more likely to get there if you know that's what you're trying to do. I think it also helps people learn it could also help you and evaluate them you know i could see if you're evaluating people based on humble uh hungry humble and smart you know it's kind of like hungry there's some people that will just jump in there and volunteer to help or do mm -hmm. something they're hungry um even if they're busy they'll they'll how can how can i help you with that or they'll send you hey i know you're trying to work on this i found this article it might help you but the humble piece, I think, is so important too. It, it would be hard to live life very long and not really be humble if you were seeing things clearly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I think I think you used the, a couple of terms that I think are, are uh, earlier, Matt, that are related around authentic, you know, I would add vulnerable, self-deprecating. And even if you think, I, I think this also speaks to the elevated role that the HR function plays within organizations now is even as a society, I think, you know, we, we're starting to realize that, you know, those things matter and people follow, you know, originality and authenticity and, and vulnerability and, and it's okay to say, I don't know the answer here, I need your help. <laughs> and and I think, you know, a lot of those traits are, are similar to people that you would also uh, describe as humble. And and even to your point, it's it's been a game changer for us, and it is something that we've even woven into our our talent acquisition and interview process. Well, John, this has been really interesting. Thank you for so much. I feel like I've I've learned a lot uh, from this talk, and and also um, congratulations on your amazing success in your career in uh, human resources. That's uh, very impressive. Thank you very much, Matt. I, I appreciate the opportunity and, and have enjoyed it as well. On behalf of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching 
Be epic. B-E-E-P-I-C.